Hello, and welcome to Trials Podcast, our show about all things Salesforce. Trials Podcast is brought to you by Hute, Salesforce DevOps platform for game-based development. Learn more about Hute by going to our website, hute.io. Please help us welcome today's guest, serial entrepreneur and two times Salesforce ISV founder, David Van Hoekelem. Hey, David, great having you on our podcast. Thanks for coming. Thanks. Excited to be here. Could you mention some highlights of your journey as an ISV founder? Sure. So I started in the ecosystem around 2010, so about 13 years ago now. I started my first ISV company uh, 2010 and grew that and exited that around the end of 2013. That was a, an HR platform that was built native on Salesforce. That company was acquired by a company, another ISV called Certinia, which is formerly Financial Force. I then subsequently started a second ISV company in the professional services automation space, again, built native on Salesforce and uh, grew that and end up exiting that in 2020. And since that time, I've been focused more on consulting advisory in the Salesforce ISV space. Great. So any lesson you wish you had learned earlier in your career that could have significantly impacted the trajectory of your businesses? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm a product guy from background. I spent about a decade in product management prior to my Salesforce ISV journey. So I wish I had more sales and marketing and go-to-market expertise, especially when I started my first ISV. So when I work with ISVs now, the recommendation that I give is to really hone in on their go-to-market strategy, really understand the market that they're going after, what their ideal customer profile looks like, what their messaging and positioning looks like in the marketplace. And that's really going to help them to execute and scale faster than we did. I can really relate to that, being a product founder myself, coming from development and product management background. And yeah, having always to be careful to not be too much in love with product and features and yeah, prioritizing go-to-market not always comes naturally, I think, for product-minded founders as a great reminder. Yeah, a bit broader question, uh, which I could hardly think of a person in a better position to answer. So how would you describe the state of the Salesforce ISV partner ecosystem at the moment and how it evolved over the 14 years or so that you are part of it? And what are your predictions for the near future? Yeah, I think some of my predictions are not necessarily Salesforce ecosystem specific, but it's really the, the SaaS industry in general, right? So the last 13 years or so that I've been in the ecosystem, I think the number of of SaaS companies have 10 x So there's a lot more noise in the marketplace. When I started, there probably was a thousand app exchange listings. Now there's 4,000 plus app exchange listings, ISV listings out there, not all paid, but obviously it's grown over the last decade. So it's a lot noisier space. And again, that's not just the Salesforce ecosystem alone. That's the SaaS marketplace in general, right? If you go to G2 Crowd and you look at any quadrant or any product area, there's 100, 200, 300 vendors competing for the same space with a lot of the same product features. So it's a noisier place and standing out, I think, is a lot harder now. When I first started the first ISV, we did a lot of app exchange marketing programs, such as 
listing on the homepage of the App Exchange, and it was much easier to get noticed on the App Exchange than it is today, given the, the level or the number of ISV listings that are there now. And of course, Salesforce as a company has really matured. So when I first started, they had Salesforce Service Cloud uh, or Sales Cloud Service Cloud Marketing Cloud, and that's about it. So the number of products that I know you're aware of that Salesforce now has and the number of products that Salesforce AEs now have to sell is just so great that it can be hard to penetrate the Salesforce ecosystem as far as getting the attention of Salesforce with your app and say, hey, can you sell my app as well? Can you position my app as well? Because they have such a large product portfolio. So I think that is something that has changed over time. I think it's harder to stand out. So you really got to be specific. And back to my first point, if you can really narrow down, at least initially, if you're a newer ISV, really narrow down the market that you're going after, right? Your market shouldn't be every 150,000 Salesforce customers. It should be a region, an ideal customer profile, meaning an industry, a problem that you're going after, a type of company in the Salesforce ecosystem. As you know, Salesforce is really industry specific now. So if you want to pick one industry or one segment, there's some ISVs that only go after Salesforce partners like ISVs and SIs. If that's a market, double down and go on that market. And once you've once you've shown success in that market, then you can expand to a, another industry or another segment within the Salesforce customer base. Industry, of course, is always a or has been a real focus, as I stated. So, you know, as an ISV, if you are industry specific or you want to go after a specific industry, start with an industry, start with healthcare, start with financial services, start with high tech, show success in that industry and then expand beyond that. I think you're going to have a hard time today as an ISV trying to boil the ocean as far as I have an app, it's a horizontal app, and I'm just going to go after anybody. I think you're going to have a hard time really, you know, succeeding by not focusing. And as far as, you know, where I see the app exchange today and where I see it in the future, obviously it's grown, as I discussed earlier. I think it's growing at about 10% year over year right now as far as the number of new app exchange listings. So the market has been soft the last couple of years. It looks like it's starting off the new year in 2024 as being soft. So I think the growth of the app exchange is going to be consistent with the overall market. So it's going to grow, maybe not substantially, but there's still a large number of vendors in the marketplace. The number of products that Salesforce is innovating and coming out with, whether it be organically or from acquisition, is growing every year. And as I'm sure you know, it's almost hard to keep track of every single product in an area that Salesforce has, whether it be sales cloud. I think there's, you know, 15 products in sales cloud alone, add-on products. So, I mean, as an ISV, you really need to understand the market and where you're playing, where the white space is, where the opportunity is, and hopefully, you know, be able to address that as far as your strategy is concerned. I do think there is opportunity, though, increased opportunity as Salesforce grows, as the market gets better, especially, I think there's even more opportunity for ISVs. So I'll give some examples. Salesforce is coming out with a new life sciences cloud. Salesforce just acquired Slack. It's been a few years now, but they're still innovating with Slack. So if you're an ISV and you want to build a Slack app, if you want to build a ISV on top of the new life sciences cloud or some of the other industries, or data cloud, or AI. I think there's lots of opportunity there. 
based on the expanding portfolio of Salesforce products. Again, you just need to be or understand kind of where Salesforce is going, right? So where are they going? The last thing you want to do is build a competitive product to where Salesforce might go, right? Or if you do, that's fair, but then find a slice of the market that you don't think Salesforce is really going to focus on and kind of double down on, well, what's your what's your niche in that market? Even if they have a competitive product, where can you augment that product and you know support Salesforce success with your product as well? So I think there's lots of opportunity. The market's a little soft right now. I think as the market comes back, the ecosystem in general will start to increase. And I think there's a lot of opportunity just based on the level of innovation coming from Salesforce. Great. Thank you. Don't miss the following Trails podcast episodes and articles. Subscribe to our newsletter at huta.io slash trails. I'm curious, are there any Epic Exchange success stories which you witnessed either by being involved or from outside, which have specifically impressed you and which highlight the uniqueness of the Salesforce ecosystem? Because in the end, it's uh, I think Exchange is not just another marketplace, but it's really uh, the Salesforce platform is an enabler for businesses, for founders, for people who have domain knowledge in a certain field to basically start a tech company without a tech background, uh, start a software company without software development developers. <laughs> That's pretty unique, I think. And so, yeah, just wonder if you have any... Anything jumps to your mind, any story? Yeah, I mean, if I go back to my own experience, since I've, I started in the ecosystem 2010, I grew up you know, with the ecosystem and saw a lot of companies build on the ecosystem. So some of the stories that come to my mind, obviously one is Financial Force. They're the company that ended up acquiring my first ISV, but Financial Force is a nice story where they built native ERP, professional services automation on the platform, received heavy funding grown to over a thousand employees, well over a hundred million dollars ARR. I think that's a great story. They were very early on in the ecosystem. So I think that's a great story. Obviously, Steelbrook, now Salesforce CPQ, and now Aptus, or was Aptus CPQ, now Conga. I think that's another great story, again, heavily funded, but again, a great story of building on the platform in the ecosystem and really seeing a lot of success. And and there's a lot of stories there. I, I mean, even Viva, if you're familiar with them, a multi-billion dollar company that started off with a CRM for life sciences and pharmaceuticals built on the Salesforce platform. Some in the ecosystem are not aware that Gainsight, if you've heard of the company called Gainsight, which is a customer success platform, they started off building native on the Salesforce platform for the first almost decade, I think, of their existence. And they subsequently, and that's a choice that a lot of companies make, which is fine. They subsequently said, well, we don't want to build native anymore. We want to kind of build our product outside of native, but integrate very closely with the platform, bi-directional integration, lightning web components embedded into the product and so on and so forth. But they wanted the core on AWS as an example. So Gainsight made that transition, but the ecosystem is really what started their success. Right. And Viva did the same thing. So those are some of the companies that I I find quite unique as far as how fast and how much they've grown over the last decade. So I think, you know, there's some great stories there. There's also smaller stories of companies 
like my companies that did not raise venture capital funding, bootstrapped, like my two ISVs. And as you stated, the ecosystem really offers entrepreneurs the ability to get started quickly with the platform that's there for you. And you can build on top of that platform and you can actually, you can expand fairly quickly with the right product, of course, and the right positioning. There's really a lot of opportunity there for you to grow quickly. And that's what I did with my two companies. And that's what other companies are doing even today in certain industries. Ohanify, if you've heard of them, they're a recent one, but they're growing fairly quickly. And I find them interesting because they built the CRM for craft beverages, craft beverage companies, right? So very unique industry-specific solution, but they're seeing a lot of success. And I I follow them. What you're doing, what Flair is doing on the HR platform, I kind of see Flair as you know, HR 2.0 on the platform because I built kind of the similar product as my very first ISV. And now Flair has come on as building kind of HR 2.0. So again, Flair is another company that I follow as well. So yeah, no, I think there's lots of opportunity in the ecosystem and there's been some great stories over the last decade. So speaking of, again, your venture and Flair HR platforms, do you see Salesforce giving basically a full-blown HR solution, another step. <laughs> any any guesses on that? Yeah, obviously I've thought a lot about it with my company just over the last decade. And honestly, I don't I don't think they will. I don't think they will get into the what I will call the ERP or back office space, whether it be HR or financials. And the reason being is that if they wanted to enter that space, they're entering that space to win in the market. They're entering that space to be able to offer a platform for all of their customers, not only small customers, but enterprise customers, the largest customers in the world, which is who they're selling CRM into today. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to them. They don't have the the expertise internally to build from scratch, which I don't think they would ever do. So I think it would be an acquisition. And if there was going to be an acquisition, I think it would be a company like Workday, as an example where they have an enterprise presence in HR and financials. They have a very comprehensive solution for the largest enterprise, global enterprises. But of course, the math would need to work, and and Workday has a very high market capitalization right now, so they would be hard-pressed to purchase uh, Workday. Workday was on Salesforce's target acquisition list in that leaked presentation that came out a few years ago now, but it never happened. So the only way I'd see them getting into the space is, is through acquisition for the same reasons, and this is just my personal opinion, for the same reasons, I think that's why you never saw a financial force acquisition by Salesforce. And they were recently bought out by a private equity firm, right? So I think it's a space they don't want to get into. If they ever did want to get into the space, I think it would be more in the professional services, customer onboarding, customer success, post-sale space, not necessarily the back office ERP space. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also looking at the integration efforts that are still ahead of Salesforce with recent acquisition, I think integrating also from a technical perspective a workday into the Salesforce platform would be quite a quite a chore. Absolutely. Yeah. And to that point, which I think is an important point if I make it, is that some ISVs that I speak to and even myself when I had my ISVs are are always worried about investing in the platform because Salesforce could come in and compete with you. And then what do you do, right? And I think the example of, you know, a Workday acquisition is a great example because I think if Salesforce acquired a Workday, 
I still think there's ample opportunity in the ecosystem for a company like Flare or a recruitment company like Target Recruit to continue to have a lot of success because Workday is really not playing in the SMB space. And if you have a great product in the SMB space, you're still going to have a lot of opportunity in the ecosystem, even though Workday and or Salesforce would be competing in the mid to large enterprise. So I think there's far enough or well enough space for more than one product in a category, whether it be industry specific, region, and so forth. So I think I spent too much time in my first company on worrying about what Salesforce is going to do. My advice to ISV now is don't worry, execute. If Salesforce gets into your space, then look for a market that you can win. Mm-hmm. True. And there are good examples, for example, in the CPQ space where healthy companies are in healthy competition with the Salesforce offering just by yeah, focusing on a different different market. That's right. I'd like to throw in a more go-to-market oriented question. Would you recommend ISVs to heavily invest into their relationship to Salesforce, into selling through Salesforce with Salesforce, or would you rather pivot to all the other, let's say, marketing channels that a, a SaaS company has uh, these days? Or let's say, in which phase would you double down on investing into your relationship with Salesforce? Yeah, no, it's a great question and one that I talk a lot about with ISVs. And it depends on what stage you're at. And of course, it also depends on what your annual contract value of your product is. Because if it's very, very low, I think you'll have a hard time getting the attention of Salesforce AEs that are basically going to receive nothing in quota attainment or nothing as far as actual dollars received from selling your product. So I think, you know, a higher ticket item, the alternative to that is you have a low priced product, but it is critical to an AE winning business in winning their business by selling Salesforce, Service Cloud, Marketing Cloud, so on and so forth, right? So if you have a product that's critical to them winning the business, then yeah, that makes sense. What I've seen actually, to give you a a concrete example, is a couple of ISVs I've worked with, they have a product that is really integrated. It's native to Salesforce, but it's really integrated to Microsoft Teams, okay? Not Slack. And there's still a lot of companies out there that they use Microsoft Teams and they want to use Salesforce but they still want that tight integration in Microsoft Teams. So if that is an opportunity that an AE is working, this ISV is critically important to them, right? To say, hey, we built this really tight integration with Microsoft Teams. You're working on an opportunity where they're a Microsoft shop, right? So that's one example where if I was that ISV, you'd want to double down on those relationships with the AEs. Having said that, if you're an early stage ISV, maybe you know less than one or two million ARR, I wouldn't be waiting for AEs to sell your product. At the same time, I wouldn't be waiting for partners to sell your product. So I think, you know, I would start to explore those relationships immediately, such as partners and Salesforce, AEs and Salesforce teams, but it wouldn't be my main go-to-market channel early on. My main go-to-market channel early on would be either, am I going to do inbound? Am I going to do outbound? And what market am I going to go after? Going back to that go-to-market strategy. I'm going to pick one industry. I'm going to pick one problem. I'm going to pick one or two use cases. And that's where I'm going to start. But then I'm going to start exploring those relationships. And then as I grow and I have more customer success stories and so forth, then you can double down on partners 
and then you can double down on working with Salesforce. But I think you'll have a hard time if you're a brand new ISV just waiting for Salesforce to come sell your product. So my second company, to give you an example, we partnered with Sage after we achieved 1 million ARR. And that ended up being a really great partner channel for us at that time, reselling our product. But again, we already had success stories. We already had a channel of opportunity, mostly inbound in our case. So it was the right time for us to really double down on leverage partners. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Thank you very much. Great pieces of advice. Anything else you would like to share with, uh, let's say, aspiring ISV founders or uh, anyone um, doing business on Exchange? Yeah, I mean, I'll leave you with the same thought that I've discussed with others, which is, you know, the first thing you need to do is have a great product, right? So if you've got a, a subpar product that's really not solving much of a problem, it's not an urgent problem for Salesforce customers, you're going to have a challenge no matter what. But if you have a great product that solves a unique problem, there is white space in the ecosystem, meaning that there's not a lot of direct competitors doing exactly what you do. You have a differentiated product and, and message to the market. Then I think it's a great opportunity and you should double down. But of course, from a go-to-market perspective, don't try to boil the ocean, right? Go after a certain market show success in that market, whether it be industry-based, location-based, employee size-based, whatever it may be, based on the problem that you're solving, and then expand from there. I made the mistake twice as a product founder where I had a horizontal product that said, my target market is going to be every single Salesforce customer, you know, less than 500 employees, right? Not focused enough. Need to be much more focused as far as the problem you're solving, who's your best ideal customer profile, and you can get much more specific on the market that you're going after. And that's really going to drive your positioning and messaging to that market. So that's my recommendation is to focus. And of course, make sure you're solving a, a problem that people care about, right? The last point I'll make is that I think a lot of product or technical founders like myself, you get enamored with the technology and you get enamored with the Salesforce platform and you think you can build anything, and it's going to be successful. If you want to build another CPQ on Salesforce, you're going to have a hard time unless you have a very maybe industry-specific CPQ solution that no other product on the App Exchange or Salesforce CPQ is really solving for. Otherwise, if you've just built CPQ Lite that's a little bit or goes after a smaller subsegment of Salesforce CPQ, I think you'll have a hard time competing there. There's a lot of a lot of vendors, a lot of noise, a lot of competition, hard to differentiate. An example of things that you really need to look out, out for if you want to be successful. Thank you very much, Dave. I really enjoyed our conversation. Uh, we hopefully meet in person around Trailblazer DX or any other event. And yeah, take care. Thank you. Thank you. Trails Podcast is brought to you by Hute, Salesforce DevOps platform for Git-based development. You can learn more about Hute by going to our website, hute.io.